Hello everyone, this is Swathi Sathya Seelan. I want to wish you all a very happy new year. And if you're new here, welcome to the Inside the Minds of Great Yogis podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Komal Dadlani, who is a yoga teacher and has participated in many teacher training courses as both a student and a teacher. We talk about Komal's journey of yoga, classical yoga, the power yoga holds, and so much more. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review and rate our podcast. Without further ado, let's get on with today's episode. I think that the deep level of samadhi and meditation through which the classical yogis, the Mahasiddhas, um, downloaded the practice itself that of the asanas and the pranayama, I think that experience is extremely difficult for us to achieve in this day and age. Yoga is the reason why I'm healthy today. Welcome, namaste, and hello, everyone. Welcome to the 49th episode of Inside the Minds of Great Yogis. In today's episode, we have a very special guest, Komal Dadlani. Komal is a healer and a guide at heart. Yoga has played a very important role in helping her manage multiple autoimmune issues. She has studied with several teachers from traditional lineage and has participated in many teacher training courses as both a student and a teacher. Her asana practice evolved into a keen interest for yoga philosophy and its power to shift mindsets and guide her through big life transitions. Today, she remains a diligent student and has the privilege of sharing her practice with yoga centers across the world. So let's give a big round of applause to Komal Vatlani. <laughs> Thank you, Swati. Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Komal. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure. And that's a very generous introduction. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're doing an incredible work, and I'm very excited to hear your perspectives of yoga. So um, without further ado, we'll begin. And the first question I have for you is, how did your journey of yoga begin? Uh, well, yoga was always part of my life. Um, I'm Indian. And we grew up in South America, in Chile, and my mother was very keen that we stayed close to our roots. So she made sure that I went to yoga classes from a very young age. But I came even closer to yoga when I was uh, working as a brand manager and I was searching for work that resonated more with my desire to be of service. I've always really liked to connect with people and to participate in their growth. And I tried many different things at that moment. I tried working with disabled children, with uh, victims of crime. Um, I tried psychology as well a little bit. And then I honestly just tried yoga out of curiosity. And when I taught my first class, it really stuck with me. I thought, oh, I, I love to do this. And um, I also have lupus. And I do a lot of work for Lupus UK and for Lupus Chile. I'm, I'm an ambassador for Lupus UK. And um, I've had several blood clots and, and inflammatory issues. And yoga has really helped me to manage those symptoms better. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, mm -hmm. Komal, and um, how you began your journey with yoga. So now I want to move on into the next question for you, which is, 
How do you define healing when it comes to yoga? Um, so I've, what I've understood through the practice of yoga is that our body is a body of energy. Mm -hmm. We feel that there's a physical body that is separate to the astral body. And we speak of it like that. Also, when we study about these things, we, we study it as three independent bodies, physical, astral, and causal body. But ultimately, the whole is just one energetical body with different layers, different levels of density. Mm -hmm. And um, healing is very much energetical. <laughs> yeah. So the asanas and the pranayam, they help to purify the nadis, the astral currents mm -hmm. that feed the physical body with its with its vital force to the extent that different ailments can can come to a balance and heal themselves yeah um thank you for sharing that como and um i really like how you mentioned that healing is energetic um yeah. <laughs> a lot of us have different experiences with healing and um you know yoga as a tool for mental health and well-being um is also very essential so thank you for sharing that um perspective of yours and um it's very um so it's very difficult to to come to terms with the fact that the body is only energy because you feel your arms and your legs and your skin to be so physical you can touch them you can feel them physically yeah. But based on what is described in the scriptures and in the Hatha Yoga Pratitika, at the end of the day, the body is pure energy and you feel it to be physical because of the way that the energy is vibrating. So if energy is vibrating at a very tamasic level, then you experience the body as physical. But when yeah. you do a lot of asana practice and profound pranayama practice, Mm -hmm. then you begin to, um, to purify the nadis to the extent that the guna of sattva increases. And when sattva increases, which is part of the purpose of the practice, then you begin to experience the fact that you are really energy. In fact, you feel yourself as lighter as well when you're doing the postures because you feel yourself as less physical from tamas being cleared out. And um, it is very interesting to then observe the connection between your thoughts and the way that your body is feeling and the, the influence of your thoughts in different physical symptoms as well. Then you start to see the, the intricate connection between the two. And so for me, I have always felt, I mean, this is based on my own personal practice that healing is very much energetical. Yeah. <laughs> it has to do with energy, be it a path memory, um, you know, a blood clot, which I've had many of them, or um, or emotions. Mm -hmm. It's all just energy vibrating on different levels. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Como. And um, I think energetic is a great way to look at healing. And um, as, far, as far as prana, our breath, um, you know, like, Breath flow is also a very important aspect of yoga, as you mentioned, uh, nadis, as well as the asana practice, something to keep in mind. So um, thank you for sharing that um, with us. And the next question I would like to come into is, what significance does classical yoga hold? Um, 
you know, classical yoga has been there for years, but now we, we're practicing more of a lot of a lot of practitioners are looking into the modern way of yoga. So what is the significance and importance of classical yoga? And do you think it goes back to the your roots? So I think modern yoga has a really important contribution to make in terms of alignment and you see in in all the different yoga schools um many asanas have been improved <laughs> in terms of muscle engagement and suggestions and different variations but i think that the deep level of samadhi and meditation through which the classical yogis the mahasiddhas mm -hmm. um downloaded the practice itself that of the asanas and the pranayama i think that experience is extremely difficult for us to achieve in this day and age so i think classical yoga particularly because of the period of time so you know when the mind was purer and the mind was much able to remain in samadhi and and experience the truth through objectivity, mm -hmm. ego with without any ego. Um, I think that's very difficult for us to access today, and therefore it is irreplaceable. Really, I don't think. I think it has an extremely relevant role in that regard. Of you know, when we pick up a scripture like the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali or the Hatha Yoga Pradipika by Swami Swatmarama. I mean, these are people who have actually gotten to depths that we will never be able to access in this Kali Yuga. Absolutely. So they have an enormous, it is extremely relevant. You know, sometimes I see in classes that classical yoga can be downplayed a little bit because yes, when you pick up the Hatha Yoga Pradipika, and you read a posture like Mayurasana, for example, like the peacock, it doesn't tell you squeeze your glutes or keep your legs together or make sure that you engage your abdomen so it doesn't you know, fall into your back. Or if you go into Trikonasana, it doesn't speak about you know, keeping your hips centered and aligning the leg, aligning the shoulder. It doesn't give you any, any anatomical reference. Yeah. Which modern schools do these days and our the scientific mind and our um, science has allowed us to perfect asanas anatomically in a way. But the energetical experience and um, the connection of the asanas with different organs of the body and what those particular asanas are able to do for us in terms of helping us reach a better level of meditation Mm -hmm. And promoting the sattva, as we were saying earlier, yeah, that is in the classical scriptures that you can only find in classical yoga, and and you you need um, you need to study those aspects of yoga from someone who has authority. And how do you know that the person has authority? Well, it is someone who has actually been in samadhi like Shankaracharya Saraswati, like Maharishi Patanjali, like mm -hmm. Swami Swatmarama, you cannot, you know, 
yeah you cannot make that stuff up <laughs> yeah so. absolutely yeah thank you for sharing that Como. and um as you've as you mentioned those um maha yogis have the knowledge the wisdom and the experience right um and mm -hmm. as far as classical yoga i feel like part of it is being uh, being showed and portrayed in some way, shape or form in modern yoga. Yet at the same time, um, I'll give an example, actually. I've noticed that like in classical yoga, we would usually go with the Sanskrit names of the yoga asanas, right? We would say, you know, Atha Yoga Swanasana, for example, downward facing dog. Whereas now we would just go with the actual um, term, um, you know, downward facing dog. Sometimes it is being used, whereas at other times it's not as often seen. Um, so that's something that I've noticed, but um, thank you for sharing your um, thoughts and ideas here about classical yoga. And, um, and to that point, Swati, yes. uh, when you call out the asanas with their Sanskrit name, it has a different impact in the class yeah. and a different impact in the practice as well. Yeah, um, because Sanskrit is a vibrational uh, language. There isn't a conceptual meaning to the words. It is very much associated to vibration and experience. So when you call out uh, an asana like, you know, bhujangasana, shalagnasana, it carries a vibration with it. It carries the practice of those who have who have passed down this knowledge to us. Yeah, and I think it's very important to conserve that. Yeah, and it's it's also mm -hmm. honoring them in some shape or form, right? Yes, by saying that mm -hmm. in um, Sanskrit. Yeah, thank yes, you for sharing so that, Komal. Um, and I would like to come into the next question for you, which is, what is your approach with the philosophies of yoga? I feel very close to what is shared by Shankaracharya. Okay. I see very eye to eye with him. <laughs> okay. So Advaita Vedanta, basically. <laughs> and um, when I read his, his textbooks, like the Takva Bodha and the Aparokshana Bhuti, they really speak to me uh, so much that I remember when I studied the Aparokshana Bhuti, I was going through a massive depression. And I had been going to um, therapy. I had been going to psychologists and I just, nothing got me out of it. Okay. <laughs> except the Abharokshana Bhuti. Except Shankaracharya's words. Um, because, you know, it carries also the Shakti. His words carry the Shakti of someone who has experienced the truth and has been in the truth. He embodied the truth in a way. So I see very eye to eye with him, uh, with um, Advaita Vedanta. Um, my personal um, understanding of yoga and my, and my experience of yoga is that many times the word gets underplayed a little bit. And when we speak of it, we say generically that yoga means union. And the union of the, of the individual self with the universal self. But to me, as a result of my practice and what has been shared with my teach uh, from my teachers as well, is that yoga has very much to do with diluting the ego, <laughs> yes. um, being able to stay equal 
and content in praise, in injury. Uh, you know, Swami Shivananda used to speak of it as bare insult, bare injury. That's highest yoga, highest sadhana. That's yeah. yoga in itself. So when you are able to, to um, relieve, so, so detach yourself from personal needs while remaining completely active and involved, like yeah. karma yoga, Yes. Uh, like Krishna said to Arjuna, so in action, in action. I think that's true yoga to me. Beautiful. So it's more it's more profound than speaking of it as uniting the individual soul with the with the universal soul. And from what I understand and how Shankaracharya explains it is that you are always united. Brahman and Atman are one, constantly. Yeah. Now, you know. What what frame of mind are you experiencing reality through? Are you experiencing it through the lens of individuality, which mm -hmm. therefore derives in pain and isolation, or are you experiencing it through the lens of of yoga of everything being one? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, Komal, mm -hmm. and um, your. Uh, the way that you look at yoga in a philosophical um, way. And as far as um, you've mentioned karma yoga, which I find very interesting um, because the, the four paths of yoga um, is quite interesting. Karma yoga, jnana yoga, bhakti. Yoga. Raja yoga. Raja yoga. Thank Raja yoga. <laughs> yes. So mm -hmm. the, um, the four paths of yoga as well. Yoga in its own way it's much more beyond asana and you've mentioned it's much more than unity right it's original kind of definition i would say it's much more than that so yeah. um yeah thank you um thank you for sharing your approach there with the philosophy of yoga and um now i have some rapid fire questions for you and the first <laughs> <question> <laughs> okay the first question I'd like to get into is, do you have any yoga-related book suggestions that enlightened your perception of the practice? Uh, the Tattva Bola by Shankaracharya, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, the Srimad Bhagavatam. There are so many. There's so many, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. I think the one that has had the biggest impact on me is the Aparoksha Anubhuti and the Yoga Vashishta, which is the conversation by Vashishta and Prince Ram. I have always really looked up to him very much. You know, Ram as someone who was, who was God, but didn't actually know himself to be an incarnation of Vishnu and put himself through all the different experiences that we go through as humans. And he was still able to remain, um, to stay on the path of Dharma. That's really admirable to me. And I love how uh, in the Yoga Vashishta, Rama, he shows himself as being very vulnerable. You always, you know, you, you think that people who are victorious are people who are always strong, but actually you can be vulnerable and still be victorious as he yeah. was he shows himself with all his pain and his confusion and his frustration and the pain of loss 
that he experienced in his life. And, and I find that I find it extremely ins- ex- inspiring that through that vulnerability, he was still able, he, he his self-conquest is as a result of his vulnerability, <laughs> which not many people allow themselves to, not many people allow, them, allow themselves to feel vulnerability in this day and age. Sometimes vulnerability is seen as, as an antagonist to being successful or, or um, you know, moving on in life. And I think in the Yoga Vashishta, there's a different, um, different perspective on this. <laughs> yeah, thank you for sharing that, Como. And um, it takes a lot of acceptance to uh, really take in vulnerability and eventually find success, right? It's a whole process rather than just directly, as you've mentioned, going in, um, into victory or finding or being victorious. So um, thank you for sharing that. And um, the next question I have for you is, what aspect of yoga do you enjoy the most? Relaxation. Relaxation. <laughs> I like that. Relaxation. <laughs> um. Well, in terms of the physical practice, I love the heat that is created through the asanas. So you can begin a practice feeling extremely heavy and bored and wanting to distract yourself with something else. Um, Or sometimes the mind is very agitated. But as you do the sadhana and as you remain persistent, then the energy is transformed (laughs) into more sattva. And I love that purification, that yeah. tapas that is um, that is brought to to being through the practice. It's yeah. my favorite. <laughs> and then the shavasanas are, I mean, um, the healing power of shavasana is unbelievable. <laughs> Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like right when you go into Shavasana, like it's just so relaxing and just brings a lot of serenity. So um, thank you for sharing that. And um, the final question I have for you is, what impact has yoga had on your overall health? Um, I, yoga is the reason why I am healthy <laughs> today. Yeah. Um, so as I introduced earlier, I have lupus and I've had five different blood clots. I've had blood hemorrhages. I've been in hospital many times. I've had skin disorders. Um, I've had ITP. I've lost hair. <laughs> I've had the, a really wide spectrum of things. And I mean, yoga is the reason why I'm healthy today. Um, if it weren't for Ayurveda, and if it weren't for pranayam, I would be heavily medicated, <laughs> not really enjoying <laughs> life today. So, uh, thank you for sharing that, Como. And um, yoga has this power. I, I don't really know how to describe it, but yoga has this entire power to change change someone's life. Like it's it's a way of life, right? And um, yoga is almost like you know, you're able to learn more through it. It's it's like an ocean. It's like a widespread. There's so much to yes. it, right? It's an open book. So I have to say I have received um, 
more healing than I ever expected and even healing on, a, on an emotional level. So I used to be very, very shy, very insecure, uh, very hesitant of whether people would uh, be open to what I had to give. And the receptivity that I, that I have gotten from students and to see a student smile after the end of the class and to participate with people's healing journey. And it's just, um, it's encouraged me to overcome so many inner obstacles and that I had built in myself. And it's provided um, a healthy platform for me to work on myself as well at a behavioral uh, level. So I have a lot more to thank in yoga than just my physical health. Um, it's, I, think, I think it's the biggest gift <laughs> that yes. I have received Absolutely. in my life. Mm. Yeah. I often tell the students, um, because you know, when they say thank you, I, I don't think they understand how much more I thank them because, and, and how much, how much I receive mm -hmm. by yeah. giving the class and by sharing with them and by being in a group of people that is receptive yes. to what you want to share. Absolutely. Giving is very healing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like that. Giving is definitely very healing. And, um, as far as like when you look at karma yoga selflessness right like you're not like when you give back to a community you're not expecting anything in return so I think that's that's beautiful um, yeah. and yoga itself can also bring a change to one's overall lifestyle as well so um, thank you for sharing your perspectives of yoga um, Komal it's been a pleasure to have you on the show on the 49th episode of Inside the Minds of Great Yogis and um, I really appreciate you giving your valuable time to me and um, I enjoyed this conversation with you and I hope we're able to do this again. And um, I'd like to thank everyone else who has yet to listen to our 49th episode of Inside the Minds of Great Yogis. And until next time, I hope that everyone has a great day. And um, thank you for joining us, Como. Thank you, Swati. I really enjoyed having this conversation with you as well. Thank you. Thank you, Como. For listening to the Inside the Minds of Great Yogis podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, let us know what was your favorite part by sharing the episode thumbnail using the hashtag Inside the Minds of Great Yogis and tag us on Instagram at perspective underscore of underscore yoga. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll see you all in the next episode.